Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Listen, you can't please everybody. That was Pilate's problem. He tried to please, please all. Please Caesar, please the Jewish leaders, please the crowd. You can't please everybody. You can't be a politician to satisfy everyone's demands. There comes a point where you have to say, I don't care what other people think. Someday I'm going to die and stand before God and it will make no difference what anybody else thought. Governor Pilate believed Jesus. At least he believed that Jesus was innocent of the charges made against him by the Jewish leaders. But, obviously, that was not enough. Many people mentally believe in Jesus, but will not repent and trust him as Savior and King because they are more concerned with the opinions of friends and family than they are with God's opinion. Thanks for joining us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is leading us through the 15th chapter of Mark in a series of lessons that will help us understand why people choose to reject Jesus. When Jesus was brought before Pilate, the politically-minded governor tried his best to wiggle out of the tight spot he knew he was in. But God had so orchestrated everything that there was no wiggle room for Pilate. He had to make a decision. Let's go to God's Word now to see how Pilate made his decision and what we can learn from his mistakes. Here's Pastor Steve. Watch this. Remember the Jewish leaders said, look, this man, Jesus, is a troublemaker. All the way from Galilee to Judea, that's the north and the south of Israel, he stirs up trouble. And Pilate heard, oh, Galilee? Did you say Galilee? Well, that's not under my jurisdiction. That's under Herod's jurisdiction. So... He said, I'm going to send them to Herod. And it just so happens that Herod was in Jerusalem at this time because it's the Passover feast. In fact, that's why why, uh, Pilate is there. Normally, he's in Caesarea on the Mediterranean. In fact, when we were there, I don't know if the group remembers, but when we were there in Caesarea on the Mediterranean, not Caesarea Philippi, if those who were in Israel can remember, we saw a stone that had Pontius Pilate's name on it right outside the, the theater. So Pilate says, oh, Herod's here? Oh, oh, he's from Galilee? So he sends him to Herod. And and what he really is saying is, good, I don't have to make this decision. It falls under Herod's jurisdiction. And Luke 23 tells us about this. Mark doesn't tell us. Matthew doesn't. John doesn't. Luke tells us. And he tells us that after questioning Jesus and mocking him, Herod sent him back to Pilate. So now Pilate's got Jesus, and he's trying to get rid of him. But now he's got him. So Pilate comes up with another scheme to get himself off the hook. Notice verse 6 and following of Mark 15. Now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. And the man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. And Pilate answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had delivered him up because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the multitude to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. Now, 
Lord willing, next week we're going to look more at Barabbas and more at the people, and, and so I don't want to go too deeply into this, but let me just explain what's happening. Every year at Passover time, the Roman governor had a tradition. He released to the Jewish people one prisoner, whoever they wanted. They could ask for one prisoner. It was an act of diplomacy and, and goodwill, and uh, it sort of eased the, the tension. It was a nice thing to do, and it's his, it's, it was his custom. Now, at, at that time, Rome held a man by the name of Barabbas, who the Bible says was an insurrectionist. That, that means that he uh, had been involved in, in doing something against Rome. The irony of it is, is exactly what the Jewish leader said Jesus was guilty of, but they don't have a problem with them releasing Barabbas. Barabbas, according to all the gospel accounts, was a murderer, a robber, an insurrectionist. Maybe he was a zealot, and the zealots would go around with little daggers, and they would stick them in the, in the backs of Romans. And uh, he was a bad guy as far as Rome is concerned. And Pilate now asked the people to choose either Barabbas or Jesus to be released, thinking that the common people would naturally gravitate to Jesus because he, he had heard just a week earlier these people saying Hosanna to God in the highest, peace on, on earth, and we want Jesus as, as the uh, as Savior and King. And he heard all of that, crying for Jesus to, uh, as he entered Jerusalem and the triumphant entry. And so he assumes, look, it's the religious leaders who want Christ killed, not the people. I'll get off the hook by appealing to the people. Then the leaders certainly can't write Caesar and say it's Pilate's fault because it's their own people who asked for Christ's release. See? You see what he's doing? He's trying to avoid any responsibility. The people choose Jesus to be released, then Pilate's off the hook. He can't be blamed. But amazingly, the people choose, and like I said, next week we'll look at this, they chose Barabbas as the religious leaders, it says, stirred up the multitude, and Pilate had no choice but to release Barabbas, at least no choice at that point. Now, two of Pilate's schemes have failed. Herod won't make the decision for him, and now the people put the pressure on him to execute a man he knows is innocent, so he tries another scheme. Verses 12 through 15. And answering again, Pilate was saying to them, then what shall I do to him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, crucify him. But Pilate was saying to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. And wishing to satisfy the multitude, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, he delivered him over to be crucified. Now Mark... What Mark does is you look at the other gospel accounts, Mark just sums up what happened. John, though, gives us some details and fills in some things. And John gives an, an easier to follow picture. So let's look at John 19. John chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. And they began to come up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him blows in the face. And Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus therefore came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. See, before Pilate said, handed him over to be crucified, he first had him beaten and scourged. And scourging was terrible. It was done uh, by a whip of, of throngs uh, plated with pieces of bone and, and lead. It's 
terrible thing. Uh, and many times after they beat someone like this, and I think it was about 40 times on their back that uh, uh, many people did not survive it. It was that, it was that bad. Cartilage would often be showing. Uh, bones would be exposed. Sometimes there'd be organs that would actually be exposed. It was a terrible, terrible thing to do. But Pilate did that, and then he brought Jesus out, and he said, behold the man. You know what he's really saying, in essence? Look at this poor, beaten, pitiful man. Have mercy on him. You don't want him to be crucified, do you? He's playing upon the people's emotions. That's what he's saying. Look at this man. If you could call him a man. Uh, Isaiah said his face was marred beyond even recognition. And, and Pilate is saying, look, how can you take this pitiful creature and expose him to any more hardship? I have beaten him. Doesn't that satisfy your thirst for blood? And they shouted back and they said, no, crucify him. And it's at that point that Pilate did what they said. They insisted on his crucifixion. But notice verse 12 of John, John 19. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. This is what we would call the straw that broke the camel's back. Remember that one thing that Pilate fears. He fears a riot, and he fears that word will get back to Caesar. That there was a threat to Caesar, and he didn't do anything about it. He could be tried for treason himself. And what they're saying is, this is pure blackmail. What they're saying is, look, if you don't crucify him, you're no friend of Caesar. No, pal, we'll, we'll get you on, on charges of treason if you don't do what we say. And so Pilate is a politician. He cares for only himself. And uh, he tried to pass the buck. It didn't work. So now he gives in to the crowd and the leaders and he crucifies Christ. Let me bring this together for us and apply it. Pilate could have done the right thing, and he should have done the right thing. There's no question about it. He should have released Jesus right away, regardless of the consequences. But he didn't. He caved in under social pressure. Pressure that you and I face. He caved in. He feared losing his career, so he gave in to the leader's threat to tell Caesar about releasing a man who claimed to be king. You know, the reason so many of us reject Jesus Christ is because we're cowards, just like Pilate. Pilate is basically a coward. And many people reject Christ because they are, they are cowards. Oh, they may be macho men on the outside, but they are cowards inwardly. They're afraid to take a stand and do what's right because they fear. They fear what other people will say about them. They fear uh, how, how will it affect my job. You know, now I might have to be honest. They fear their home life. You know, they just want to keep peace. They fear their relationship with friends. I saw this in my own mom's life. She accepted Christ shortly before she died, but years before this, years before she died, Michelle and I would, would share Christ with her, and I know that she intellectually believed, but that's not enough. It's not enough to intellectually know the truth, uh, but I, I'm convinced that she believed intellectually that Jesus was Messiah, in fact, I remember one time we read to her Isaiah 53 and she had tears in her eyes. But she would not accept Christ. And you know why? Because she feared. She feared what other people would say. She feared with her, what her friends would say, what her husband would say, what the Jewish community might say. 
she feared. Many people are just like that. It's basically choosing the world above Jesus Christ. That's what Pilate said. Because they, they fear man, they are trapped into rejecting Jesus even though they know they should come to him. They know it. And they've got the same struggle that Pilate had. They know Jesus is God. They know he is Savior. They know there's only one way to heaven. But they fear of the consequences. Listen, you can't please everybody. That was Pilate's problem. He tried to please, please all. Please Caesar. Please the Jewish leaders. Please the crowd. Please. You can't please everybody. You can't be a politician to satisfy everyone's demands. There comes a point where you have to say, I don't care what other people think. Someday I'm going to die and stand before God and it will make no difference what anybody else thought. Because they're not going to stand with you and say, yeah, I put him up to this. It doesn't work like that. Even your family, Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth, not the first time, I came to, to bring a sword. And I've come to bring uh, parents against children and children against parents. And that's the way it happens sometimes in a family when one accepts Christ and the others do not. Do you know that uh, in, in an Orthodox Jewish home, if a child accepts Christ many times, in fact, most of the times, they just say, my son or my daughter is dead and they actually have a funeral, though the child is alive. It's alive in Christ. They say he is dead. Now that takes some, uh, some guts, some spiritual guts to accept Christ. How about yourself? Is your rejection of Jesus based upon your own selfish interests? If I do this, what will happen here? Don't worry what will happen here. Someday your business won't matter. Someday not even your family will matter. And your friends won't matter. Only what you've done with Jesus Christ. You reject Christ because you lack the courage to do what's right. To do what you know is right and what you know is true. Pontius Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. Could have stopped the trial any time, but he didn't. I want you to turn to one final passage of scripture that'll sum up everything. Matthew 27, verse 24. Matthew chapter 27, the first gospel, verse 24. Now Pilate, trying to release Jesus, but not doing what he should have done. He's trying as a politician to get around it. Verse 24 says, And when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, remember this man cannot afford a riot, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. Because he couldn't afford another riot, he gave in to the demands of the people, put his own welfare above Christ, and he tried to absolve himself of any guilt in the matter. Like so many people, Pilate blamed others for his decision about Christ. It's not my fault. He said, I'm innocent. Look, I sent him to Herod. Herod didn't want him. Herod should have dealt with this. Look, I, the Jewish leaders made me do this. I didn't want to do this. They forced me. They blackmailed me. The people blackmailed me. They would have had a riot. I can't afford a riot. It's their fault. He said, I wash my hands. And it's a, it's a ceremony that he, that he did. He went through and he washed his hands as if to say, I am not guilty of this. Don't blame me. It is their fault. Do you realize that a lot of people do the same thing? They say, I reject Christ, but it is not my fault. After all, I know some Christians who are just hypocrites. They cheated me out of business. If they had been legitimate, 
If they had displayed a godly life to me, I might have accepted Christ. It's not my fault. Do you know when I was young, I had a pastor who ran off with somebody and was an adulterer, and boy, if he had only been a man of God, I might have listened to the gospel. It's not my fault. I have an overzealous relative who every time I see they've got to shove the gospel down my throat, if they just backed off, I might have listened, but now I'm not interested. It's their fault. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's. And, and yet, the pages about Pilate scream out at us and saying, you cannot wash your hands and say it's somebody else's responsibility. That's what Pilate said. It's not my fault. Somebody else's. Was Pilate innocent? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. For 2,000 years, listen, for 2,000 years he's been in hell and he's had to live with his wrong decision. That's, that's a scary thought. It's true though. He looked the truth right in the face and he rejected the truth. Do you realize what it must have been like for Pilate an instant after he died to realize that he came face to face with deity and he was the one who ordered the crucifixion and he didn't have to? Someone has said this, and I don't know if this is true, it's an interesting thought, but they said that uh, for 2,000 years they can imagine Pilate in hell washing his hands continually. It's a frightening thought. Trying to say, I'm, I'm innocent, I'm not guilty. But he was guilty, and he is guilty. And everyone who rejects Christ is guilty. It's nobody else's fault but your own. You're responsible. And you can't be neutral about Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he that is not with me is what? Against me. Can't be neutral. You cannot be neutral. Every time you consider Jesus and ask yourself the question, is it safe to trust him? Is it popular? Is it unoffensive? Then you are acting just like Pontius Pilate. That's, that's not the question. Those are not the questions to ask. The only legitimate question to ask is this, is he the truth? And what did Jesus said? say? Yes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone who comes to me We'll have a relationship with the Father. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do that. I urge you to do that. You are responsible, and you cannot pass the buck, and you cannot say, I'm innocent, because you are not. And I will say this to, to Christians, and I realize that this is a message geared, really, for those who would reject Christ, but uh, two things for Christians. Understand that the people you're witnessing to and the people you're telling about Christ, and you can't understand why they won't accept him, understand that they have a, a hidden agenda. Their agenda is themselves. It's themselves. There's nothing wrong with your gospel. There's nothing wrong with your Christ. The problem is with themselves. The Apostle Paul was faced with that when he was about to go to Rome. And remember what he said to the Romans? He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And what Paul meant is that there were some at Rome who said, yeah, Paul might go to Hicksville, you know, Hick areas, the, the boonies of the Roman Empire and share his gospel, but he'll dare not come to the center of the empire. He'll dare not show up in Rome because the philosophers will eat him alive and they'll scrutinize his gospel and they'll say, this is absolutely pitiful. Paul said, no, the reason I have not come to Rome uh, is just because of circumstances and God's dealing in my life, but understand that there is nothing wrong with the gospel. I am not ashamed of that gospel because that gospel is the only way that someone can be saved. So you need to understand that. People reject Christ. It is not because of Christ. It's because of them. At least the problem is with them. Secondly, 
I think you need to apply this uh, passage and the principles to your own life and say that you need to make decisions based only upon, is it right? Is it biblical? Is it scriptural? And too many times we make decisions based on, is it expedient? Will it benefit me? Is it profitable to me? Those are the wrong questions to ask. The only question to ask is, is it right? If it's right, then God will give you the grace to do it. If it's not right, then don't do it. And God will give you the grace not to do it. But that's the only legitimate concern. Is it the truth? Let's bow for prayer. If you've been a Pontius Pilate and have been a coward accepting Jesus Christ, I urge you to do that, to accept him, to stop fearing others, your job, your welfare, what friends will say, what sins you might have to give up, and you will have to give up sin as God will deal with in your life. The only question is, is he the truth? And if you can answer affirmatively in your heart, then you need to embrace Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to come up after the service. We have uh, some folks who will speak to you privately. And just come up and go through the doors by the, the organ in the front. And there'll be somebody to meet you and sit down and listen to you and also to talk with you about Jesus. And dear Christian friend, if you know the Savior, then you need to be courageous and do what's right. And continue witnessing. And don't be discouraged if people reject Jesus and if people reject you. You're not the problem. Jesus is not the problem. Their agenda is the problem, and it's themselves. Father, we thank you for your word. It's a piercing word, Lord. It's a sobering word when we think of Pontius Pilate, who could have just dismissed the case and should have. But he chose to give in to self-interest. Father, I pray that for those here without Jesus Christ, that you will draw them to yourself, that they might make the decision, Lord, to trust Christ regardless of the outcome. Lord, none of us know what uh, tomorrow is going to bring. Help us to just today make that right decision and, and, and turn to Jesus. And we realize that it's only the Holy Spirit who can bring someone into the kingdom, so we ask you to do that, Lord to give them the courage to say yes to Christ and to repent and trust Him. And I pray, Father, for those of us who are involved in witnessing, that you'll encourage us, that we might understand more about the hideousness of unbelief, that unbelief is absolutely wicked, and that we might not be shocked when religious people reject Jesus, when, when other people, uh, like, like Pontius Pilate, reject Jesus, and that we might not be intimidated, we might not be threatened, we might not think there must be something wrong in our approach to the gospel. Maybe we said the wrong thing, or maybe we, we offended them with the truth. No, Lord, encourage us. Help us to see what the real issues are. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And I pray that you'll help us to be bold and yet gracious witnesses for Jesus Christ. And help us, Lord, to base everything we do upon the issue of, is it truth? Is it biblical? Is it right? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If a football running back only looks a few feet ahead, he may get through the first opening and gain a yard or two. But if he wants to make any serious yardage, his decisions about where to go and how fast need to be based on a broader, longer view of the field. But how often in real life do we decide which way to go without looking at the bigger picture? All too often, we base our decision on what works just for today, with no concern for the eternal effects of that decision. 
I hope you are not basing your decisions about Jesus on the myopic view of expediency. If so, it will lead to an eternity of regret. It was great to have you in class with us today. Verse by Verse is a daily radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff, teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These programs are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We depend on the financial and prayer support of God's people to keep these classes on the air. If you've been blessed by these programs, would you prayerfully consider becoming one of our support partners? You can find out how to do that by visiting our website, versebyverseradio.org, and clicking on the Support Us link. We also offer today's class and many previous ones in MP3 format on the website. You can download the file or listen online. And if you'd like to be sure to get each lesson in the future, just sign up for our free podcasting service. To order a CD or cassette with the entire message that Pastor Steve just concluded, call us at 727-239-0306. Call anytime, day or night. If you leave a message with your name and number, we will return your call during business hours. Come back for the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue this series of lessons concerning why people reject Christ. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden. Jerry Pruden